Drink a treat, drink a treat, drink a treat for Halloween. Better give a treat that's good to eat if you want to keep life serene. Drink a treat, drink a treat, drink a treat, drink a treat, drink a treat the whole night through. Little scalawags with fiendish gags can make it tough on you. So when ghosts and goblins by the score ring the bell on your front door, better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. Quite a while. Hope you all have been doing very well. Uh, it is September 18th, 2017. And as always, I am your host, Horror Guy Keenan. Hope you guys have been well. Sorry it's been a little late this month. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of things going on in the world of Horror Guy. Uh, a lot of things that are really cool that are shaping up to be pretty interesting for uh, 2018. But uh, we're still in the realm of 2017, and Halloween is upon us. Yes, I am very excited. Uh, that means there will be another episode in October. Uh, so you guys get double dippings, if you will. But uh, we have a lot of store for this show. Um, let's run down some of the things. Big RIP list, that's for damn sure. Uh, Halloween Horror Night Reviews. Uh, I get to talk to the head of Waxwork Records. And um, so much more. But until then, let's uh, let's listen to a little Deadbolt. This is Hillbilly Zombies. <laughs> A state of emergency. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no, what no. Did you come now, hold on, hold on. What we have is a, a bunch of the mountain folks said that coming on down from Blue Ridge out of the Beverly Cherry Log area over by Bill They seem to be deceased. 
and still walking. It's I said deceased and still walking. No, it is not a vampire or a mummy. It is said to be much of a zomba. I have Sheriff J.T. Buford holding here with the to better explain. Come on, come on up here, Sheriff. Oh, thank you, Governor. Uh, what we have here is an unprecedented emergency here. Apparently, hillbilly is de- dead from a poisonous batch of corn liquor and anything coming out from the hill. Huh? I- I've never seen a zombie situation like this before down no day. Is it, is it possible to kill them, JT? Only way to kill the son of a bitch is to shoot them in the head. What I personally like to see is a dead zombie. Uh, do we need silver bullets, Governor? No, that's the werewolf, dummy. <laughs> Absolutely love that song. Uh, what we got here was a situation. <laughs> uh, man. All right. So let's get right into news, guys. Uh, well, we can't go into news without talking about it. Man, what a movie that was. Uh, but not only is it a fantastic film, it made over $100 million uh, the first weekend it was out. It's at $117 million, uh, just on September 11th. Uh, and it's just killing box offices regardless which kind of gets me excited because you know what that means. Uh, you might, we might get kind of a horror resurgence. It's what we've kind of needed for quite a while. Uh, you know, this movie was rated R. Um, it was pretty pretty violent with children in it. Uh, it's something we haven't seen very much lately, so it's kind of cool that something like that is actually you know making money. Uh, you know, this is the perfect time to bring back, I think, Freddy Krueger. Bring back the Nightmare on Elm Street series. But uh, do it in a way that's actually, yeah, I don't know, interesting and fun, unlike that Platinum Dunes remake. Um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, man, it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people are kind of mixed about it, though, I, I hear. You know, I'm defending it because I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I hear that, you know, the the girl's role was changed a little bit. So she becomes, she's like a major role. Uh, and then slowly, you know, kind of just kind of lumped into this like helps helpless damsel in distress kind of character, which I can I can definitely see the, the concern in that. Uh, some people just didn't think it was scary. I feel like that's a lot from horror fans. Uh, you know, we don't find a lot scary because we're pretty jaded. We watch the stuff on the reg. People watch, you know, watched it for the first time in theaters, and I I heard people screaming all around me. 
So, uh, I, you know, I thought it was great. I thought it was visually stunning. Uh, the director from Mama did an amazing job. I really enjoyed Mama. Um, so I think if you like that movie, you'll like it. Now, uh, now it's split into part, what, two parts? So we got part one, and then part two is when they're adults. A lot of people are saying, well, I have no interest in seeing a bunch of adults running around with a clown compared to the kids. So that's going to be a tough one for them to figure out. But, uh, yeah, it was just so good. I had friends uh, that have gone to see that movie five, six times in theaters. Uh, but I, I think it all stems back to that, uh, that fear of clowns and uh, the, the scene in the garage. I won't spoil the scene, but it is. Man, is that the scene to remember, huh? <laughs> uh, all right. More news. Uh, so the new Halloween. Yes, the Danny McBride remake of Halloween. I guess it's not a remake, sorry. The Danny McBride Halloween movie just got Jamie Lee Curtis on board. She's reprising her role, so is this a continuation of the original film? From what I hear is that it continues after Halloween 2. So we have John Carpenter's film, which he's back to this new one. We have John Carpenter's original film, and then John Carpenter also had uh, you know, directing debut in, in, or not debut, but his directing in the second one. And then we got Season of the Witch, which John Carpenter, you know, produced. And, uh, you know, uh, wanted to have a different story told every single, um, every every movie, but it didn't it didn't pan out very well. You know, fans wanted Michael Myers back, so then that's why in Halloween Part Four and Part Five we get the whole Jamie story, uh, and so on and so forth. But um, so this movie will kind of take Halloween Three away, and I guess it'll be Jamie Lee Col- Curtis older. It's an interesting take. Um, but you know, like I don't, it won't ever, it won't just get rid of Halloween Three permanently. I feel like fans are kind of freaking out that this, this movie is going to like take Halloween Three out of the box sets and uh, just make the Michael Myers sets. And uh, you can't do that. You gotta have Halloween Three in there regardless. If anything, Halloween Three is so good it should just stand on its own as its own film. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting to hear that you know they're they're actually bringing a, a sequel into continuity. Um, a lot of people try to do the remakes or the revisions, and they know that none of us like that. So that's really cool to see that, uh, I guess, the new Halloween Part 3 is something different. Moving on, Johnny Depp is producing a video game adaptation of The Secret World for television. I don't know if you guys have played The Secret World game, but it involves a lot of Elder God uh, stories. There are vampires, there are werewolves, um, and uh, I don't think it's Johnny Depp himself as much as it is... Uh, Johnny Depp's production company that he works for. So, does Johnny Depp even know about the secret world? I don't think so. Uh, but this this does sound like a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Secret World. Uh, they just kind of revamped it a little bit with Secret World Legends on the PC, which you know I, I jumped back into that game, played it, and it felt a lot like the same game regardless. Uh, the friends that I played with uh, were not a big fan of the loot drop system and quit the game entirely so I was left playing the game by myself and then also quit the game because nobody likes playing the game by themselves uh, but definitely check out Secret World if you have a few friends that will like it uh, it reminds me a lot of World Darkness uh, the predecessor to uh, Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Forsaken and those RPGs from White Wolf rest in peace alright William Fredericken is going to show up in Treehouse of Horrors that airs October 22nd for those of you who don't know, uh, William is the 
uh, director of The Exorcist. So that'll be pretty interesting to see him on uh, Treehouse of Horrors. Uh, yeah, I look forward to that every single year for Halloween. It's probably one of my favorite Halloween specials. Uh, so I'm glad that they're kind of bringing in some veterans from the from the horror classics. And of course, they got to do, you know, like they got to promote the new Exorcist television series. So, you know, what a better way than throw, throw the original director on uh, The Simpsons, Fox's number one animated series. Moving on, Anya Taylor reteams with the Witch director on Nosferatu. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Witch, but it's a fantastic film. Uh, probably one of my favorite films of last year. And Anya was like the main girl in that film while she's coming back with the same director. And they're doing Nosferatu. Uh, I guess another remake. But, uh, you know, this this I think Nosferatu definitely has room to be retold in a very interesting way. And if you get the guy that did Witch to do it... That could be very cool. So looking forward to that. Now, here is some news <laughs> that I'm kind of hesitant to share with you guys because I think it's awful. But um, NBC, the company that loves me so much, is bringing the Monsters back. That's right. They failed once trying to bring it back with uh, with uh, the, the fat kid from Stand By Me as Herman Munster. <laughs> His name escapes me at the moment. Uh, yeah, they they tried to reboot the monster years ago uh, and failed. Uh, but I actually liked it. I thought it was a really fun reimagining, and uh, it looks like they're 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 trying to do this again. Only they're bringing the monsters to Brooklyn, and they're gonna have a spooky loft and have to deal with hipsters. That's right. Uh, nothing nothing says monsters like hipsters in Brooklyn. Am I right? Yeah. We have uh, Seth Meyers to thank for this. Yes, the, the late night talk show past SNL alum. Yeah, this whole concept it just develops a pit in my stomach. But here we go. Here Here's the synopsis of this. Uh, the series follows uh, members of the offbeat family who are determined to stay true to themselves by struggling to fit into the hipster part of Brooklyn. God help us all. All right. Moving on. Twin Peaks Season 4. It's questionable. I don't know if you guys have finished Twin Peaks or not. I finished it. It was fantastic. I was actually at Dragon Con uh, Labor Day weekend when they aired the final episode. And I was in a Dale Cooper outfit with a group of Twin Peaks uh, members. Uh, cosplay members, not not actually dressed up uh, people from the show. But, uh, you know, we were all hanging out and everybody was asking if they are going to watch the show. But I don't think any of the hotels got showtime. So we were all trying to figure out where to get it because we did not want to get spoiled on the floor luckily twin peaks is kind of a niche show and there's not a lot of people uh spoiling it at a convention scene but um twin peaks is a lot of fun uh the blu-ray just got announced which is really cool so look forward to that very soon um it just won an emmy last night so congratulations david lynch and, and mark frost on that um but yeah so the so the new season is is questionable uh the showtime executives have said that they're looking to see how well it did afterwards uh, still no word yet whether a new season is greenlit. David Lynch has come out and said that if there is a new season, uh, it'll take quite a while to do because that's how David Lynch works. Very slow. And for a good reason because, I mean, he's kind of a genius. <laughs> you know, like, he, he does his own thing. And, and, you know, the way he edits his show and the things he adds to it are very, very uh, interesting. And I like the critique of everything. So it's it's cool to see that at least the thought is being played around with. But they could definitely not do another season. Uh, but I feel like there was so much setup 
uh, Amanda Seyfried's character and uh, a lot of these younger castmates that you know were added to the show. Um, it would just feel like a, a missed opportunity not to, to do another season. Um, sadly, we lost ha- uh, Harry Dean Stanton uh, this past week, so he will not be returning along with the Log Lady and a few others that have passed since the, the last season has been aired. But um, you know what? That's why we got the last season. That's why we got it out, because we got so many last moments with so many great uh, actors and actresses. Um, yeah, I would love to see a new Twin Peaks. God, that would that would make me very happy. Uh, so only time will tell on that one, guys. Victor Crowley surprises us all. That's right. Uh, Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films, uh, just released for the first time. They're going to do an anniversary for the the first Hatchet film, and he got everybody in Hollywood uh, to come out to the theater, and he surprised them all with a screening of a brand new victor crowley film called victor crowley this would be the fourth installment in the hatchet series um you know it it got to a point where adam green was kind of thinking about calling it quits on horror and um he was talking with george romero uh night of living dead director uh and they were at a convention and people were cheering for him and and george kind of looked out and said this is for you man like look they, they love you this isn't for me this is for you and it's like you know, you were given this gift. You were given the the opportunity to give horror uh, to the masses. Why why would you why would you take that away from them? You know, and look towards look for other work. Uh, so I think Adam Green kind of honed in on his work and got got to work and brought Kane Hodder back and and they did another Hatchet film. Uh, they're doing a road show right now. Uh, the dates have been set for that for a uh, South American tour. Uh, I think another list of cities and states have been uh, put up for the uh, North American tour. I think it's going over to New York as well. Uh, sadly, not to Florida, because I would love to see it, but I didn't see any Florida dates. But uh, keep an eye out for that. I'm sure if you go check out uh, anything on Hatchet, you'll, you can find the dates. Or just go to Aeriscope. Uh, they do their Halloween episodes every single year, and there's a new Halloween Aeriscope special coming out soon. So Aeriscope.com. Uh, love everything Adam Green and Joe Lynch and those guys put out. So uh, definitely check that out is that my slogan check that out i feel like i say check that out all the time I should have steve brule here just go check it out <laughs> all right uh greg nicotero is working on a 50 horrors project for amc uh greg nicotero the the head makeup artist over at KB effects uh you know he worked on walking dead still works on walking dead now he's like an executive producer he directs as well um, he's got a lot of stuff coming up in the pipeline. Now, Robert Kirkman recently left AMC uh, to venture off to do original work with, on Amazon programs with uh, his one of his publicists um, who now works over at Amazon. Uh, I think he met her on Outcast, which is a series I haven't seen too much of, but I do hear good things. Um, so, so big falling out happened between Robert Kirkman and AMC. He's no longer with them, so AMC is looking for new programming. Um, so, uh, apparently Robert, or Greg Nicotero loved the kind of storytelling that happened in the things like Twilight Zone and just that light bit of horror that happened in the 50s where, you know, horrible situations would happen, but in the end, they would kind of get resolved in a way, um, that had meaning in the end. Think Night of the Living Dead with George Romero, um, playing around with race, uh, that he did in all of his films from Dawn of the Dead to Land of the Dead. Um, you know, there was always kind of like a, um, an underlining message 
to those films and uh you know we don't see that much these days it's just kind of balls to the wall horror or there's a you know a twist ending but there's no real like you know i don't know a a political message is the wrong word because there's so much of that these days and i don't know if i want politics in my horror especially with married horror story kind of going that route this season Uh, but i'm veering off uh but so that's gonna be kind of cool i i trust greg this guy you know he definitely has an eye for you know what's what's good for horror and i would love to see an original series like that on television so i'm pretty excited for that now on to the sad part of the show this is the rest in peace moment of the show we've had a lot of people pass uh in the last two months that the last episode has aired uh but i want to pay tribute to them uh because they deserve it man uh so original godzilla suit actor haruo nakajima passed away recently at the age of 88 uh he will definitely be missed he was at conventions probably for the last two to three years i see i saw him in orlando um he was just meeting all of his fans and it kind of makes you wonder if he you know he may have known and was like you know i just need to get out there and meet as many people as possible or he was just paying for his medical bills i don't know but uh you know he was the original godzilla you know that's 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 good that's gonna be a figment of kids imaginations in the future uh so it's cool to you know, to see see his work still, and, and then you're still you know reproducing it and putting it on Blu-ray and 4K and all that. So that's really cool. Uh, he will be missed. Uh, next up, we have Sonny Landham, uh, better known as Billy Soul in the uh, Predator films. He was uh, one of the first to get killed, and he was uh, you know just they had the, what a bunch of cool freaking motherfuckers in that film. Uh, he was 76. Uh, next, uh, famous monsters of Filmland cover artist Basil Gogos died at 78. Uh, this one hit me a little bit harder than the others. Uh, I've met Basil quite a few times at conventions, and he, he you know, he put out some beautiful work. Um, so much so that I got a famous Monsters of Filmland um, art book uh, from Basil. It was also all of Basil's work from his um, early, you know, you know, uh, army and coke ads to the actual monster stuff when he got the job of famous monsters. And uh, I loved it so much that I used. Uh, those pictures to get my tattoos uh if you guys don't know me personally uh i have a uh classic monster sleeve of tattoos uh ranging from the creature from the black lagoon to the wolfman to frankenstein and all that and they're all uh concepts from uh, basil's art book and uh, i love showing him my my tattoos and one of them of the wolfman he said it was his favorite piece to draw so that was really nice and uh uh, one of my favorite things to do anytime I saw Basil was on the list at a convention was, you know, run up to his table and, and see him. And like I'm, I'm sure he didn't remember me, but he, uh, he was always he was kind. He was always very kind and act like he did, and uh, would always tell me different stories. Um, and I could I couldn't get enough of that guy. He was so great. Uh, so he will definitely also be missed. Uh, last but not least, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton uh, passed away at the age of 91. What what didn't that guy touch? Aliens, Green Mile, Repo Man. Like, the list goes on and on. Lucky. Uh, Lucky is a film that's coming out from David Lynch um, very soon. So definitely check that out. I think it's going to be his, his last bit of work, honestly. Um, I think there's a thing called Frank and Ava I've never heard of. Uh, but Lucky is more of a story uh, focusing on him. So uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And it'll be sad uh, that we won't be seeing him in any more films. All right, let's ramp things back up, you guys. Uh, so we have a few more shows coming out this Halloween season, continuing some of our favorite series. 
so as of so as of right now uh we got american horror story cult uh i watched the first two episodes of that uh, i've always been very hit and miss with american horror story uh you know every it's like every other season is good and then i you know i it seems like i get to like the halloween episode every year because i gotta get to that episode and then once that's done i don't care anymore really um so yeah that's the one that's heavy-handed with politics right now uh trump becomes president and then the rest of the world goes insane um <laughs> basically uh it, this season feels weird because it feels like it's just a bunch of phobias uh it's a fear of clown a fear of holes a fear of people hating you a fear of all that kind of stuff uh i feel like they're they're running out of ideas sadly um but you know i don't hate the season so far uh, i like the first two episodes that i saw they're interesting um so we will see uh how how well that series does but i, I you know I, we'll, we'll, let's we'll wait till the halloween episode to, to make that verdict um channel zero season two is coming out uh this one has to do uh with being trapped in a building with a lot of different rooms trying to get escape the like insane rooms think cube in a weird way i don't know if you guys ever saw any of the cube films um but it's kind of like that uh the last season of uh channel zero was uh candle cove and uh i think max landis was one of the writers john landis's son um and it told the story of like this old television series that was like a puppet show that kind of like fucked with kids heads in in the candle cove area uh of town and uh, I really loved it, man. I thought this was such an original and, and cool series, and, and nobody watched it. So I'm, I'm amazed to see sci-fi is, is uh, greenlining a season two, but I'm not going to fight it. I Bring it on, man. I cannot wait. Uh, the Exorcist, as we mentioned before, season two is coming back for that. Um, Gina Davis is not reprising her role. Um, as, as some of you may know, uh, there was a surprise twist with her character in the end of season one. Uh, this will be mainly taking the priest and his uh, protege uh, out of the small town where they were at for the, uh, the original Exorcist uh, season and, and taking them on to uh, more intense locations. So we'll see how well that does. I, you know, I feel like that's what they did with the, uh, the Exorcist beginning, <laughs> and then that movie kind of flopped. So we'll see if there's even a future for season three, especially on Fox station where everything stays um ash versus evil dead season three is happening um i fucking love this series if anything is probably my favorite horror series on television uh i loved season one i was definitely a champion behind it uh, i worked with stars getting it promoted and getting out there um season two was also a lot of fun we got to meet ash's dad go back to ash's uh hometown find out that he was a huge fan of jacksonville and wanted to just retire and move to jacksonville and i thought that was so freaking hilarious being a floridian um so season three is happening uh characters we you know we thought may have been gone or back and and uh you know we got new characters as well uh some characters are now evil uh and of course we got more bruce campbell baby how how, how do you not like that uh, i'm super excited for this um i can't wait for for the season to come back um and i think that's a great segue into my review of Halloween Horror Nights 27. Because there is an Ash vs. Evil Dead house. Oh, man. Halloween Horror Nights. What an event every year this is. Uh, you know, I, I get out, I get invited out there uh, with a lot of the members of the press. And uh, this year, I brought my friend Danielle 
and uh, we hung out with uh, my friend Brad, who works for Bloody Disgusting. You may know him as Mr. Disgusting. He's the guy that runs the website. Um, we basically were in the same group, and we palled around uh, with his wife, Andrea, and went through all the houses and did all the scare zones uh, for Halloween Horror Nights. And uh, let's, let's break them down for you guys. This is Universal Orlando's 27th year uh, doing this event, and I've been going literally every single year. I went uh, during the first year back in 1991 when it was called Fright Night, uh, and it had one haunted house, and there was just a random mixed mosh of uh, monsters and demons and zombies, and I remember screaming and crying because I was like five. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now I'm a seasoned adult. I've had time uh, working on the event as a freelancer back in the day, and, uh, you know, I've been brought back uh, as a reviewer. So I've, I've had a lot to do with the, the, this event, and uh, it's near and dear to my heart. So let's, uh, let's, let's break down some of these haunted houses for you guys. Uh, last year, there was an American Horror Story house, uh, and that had Murder House, Freak Show, and Hotel, which was probably one of the better houses, especially the attention to detail, I feel like, with the, um, the, the property-owned houses. Universal tries to make them look extra special because... You know, the, they have to go past, you know, Fox or like, uh, you know, Warner Brothers or wherever they're, you know, licensing the the properties from. Uh, and this house looked great. So this year, uh, they tackled Asylum, Coven, and Roanoke. Uh, and uh, I thought they did an amazing job, uh, especially with the Roanoke area. It's funny because Universal had a Roanoke house way, way back when. Probably not that long ago, probably like four or five years ago. Uh, so they've kind of already tackled that area, but now they just added like characters from the from the show and stuff. And, uh, uh, one of my friends uh, plays uh, one of the girls that pours Astrid and Rise. So that was that was a lot of fun to see her screaming her face out. Um, yeah, so this house is really good. I gave that house a uh, four and a half for being pretty freaking great. Moving on, uh, Horrors of Blumhouse. If you guys know uh, Blumhouse Pictures, obviously you guys seen a horror film. Um, you know that Blumhouse puts out films like uh, Sinister, Insidious, and The Purge. And uh, they, all three of these movies are kind of put together inside the Blumhouse house. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of scares. You go into the further. Uh, they play the tapes from uh, Insidious or the film. And then, of course, there's Purge stuff. The only problem is there's... I'm not really a big fan of Purge and Purge is in the streets already. So you, whenever you go into the house, you see more Purge stuff. It just kind of feels like a cheap grab to just shove this, uh, this franchise down your throat. Uh, I'd rather have something like Lords of Salem. Um, or the House of Dread Sundown in this house, which would have been really cool, but I know those are lesser properties, and they're not going to get as many hits. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really... I, it, was a, it was an okay house. I gave that one a, a two. Uh, Scarecrow, the Reapening. Uh, this is an original concept house. Uh, very cool, going into a uh, dilapidated uh, farmhouse uh, around the, uh, the Great Depression era and uh, finding things that have just been left behind. Scarecrow is falling apart, uh, you know, stuck, uh, grown into the walls, and and uh, pig, pigs that have fused with people that are coming after you. And uh, you go into this house, and there's like a second story that's fallen down into the first story, and it looked really good. I wasn't sure if it was, uh, you know, rubble from Hurricane Irma, or if it was actually a haunted house, <laughs> but uh, it looked great. Uh, I gave that one a four. It was it was really good. Uh, as I was talking before, Ash versus Evil Dead has a house. Uh, this was a lot of fun. They had great concepts. Uh, you know, there's books from the dead. There's a bunch of ashes. Uh, Kelly's in there. Pablo's in there. Um, 
it was very cool. I enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, sadly, it is pretty quick, uh, and also it's a lot more tongue-in-cheek because it's a lot more fun, so it's not as scary. Um, and I feel like for fans of, of the show, they'll love it. But if you have not seen it uh, and you don't know who Ash or the Evil Dead is, you're going to be very disappointed because you're just going to be like, well, that wasn't a very scary house at all. So that one hits on the three-and-a-half scale of scares. Uh, up next, Saw, the games of Jigsaw. This was actually a really cool house, so it takes all the traps from all the past episodes of the series. Uh, and then in the last room has a, a trap from the new film coming out this October. Uh, this one has interactive traps, which I thought was pretty cool. You hit the buttons and they kind of go off. And I thought that was a really great uh, thing to do to add to this house. Uh, so, you know, costumes and, and aesthetic to the walls and stuff is not much because it's Saw. It's just bob wires and people hanging there screaming at you. But if you're going to do it well, Universal did it with flying colors. Uh, I gave this one a three and a half as well. Uh, moving on to The Fallen, which is a house that's uh, covered with Nosferatu-type vampires. Uh, ugly motherfuckers coming over to eat you. Uh, you go through this large pentagrammed uh, church-like hotel of demons. Uh, there's burning coals everywhere and uh, flying vampires. You know, they're in a soundstage, so they can actually rig up these people to fly around and these vampires come pretty close to your face. Fucking love that. That was really cool. Um, but it's shared with another soundstage, so it's a t- bit a tad small as well. Um, so I gave that one a three. Uh, up next is The Shining. Uh, this is one I've been waiting to see for quite a while. Uh, you know, with a, a property like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, you got to do it justice. And uh, Universal did great. Uh, you know, from the, the twins in the hallway... Um, to the you know uh, the ballroom to room 237 uh, it's all there and the effects are just done so well i mean the blood elevator how do you do that without screwing things up you know constantly every night and they do it they figure it out i gave this one a five i was so happy to be in the overlook hotel and i would love to go back asap uh last but not least is dead water dead water is a house that takes place on the bayou it's the voodoo queen's um house and she's inside an old riverboat that's like half sticking out of the water uh, there's alligators around it and lightning as you go inside the house kind of dips and you're walking sideways uh, i don't know how they get handicapped people through this house uh <laughs> and if you have fear of like vertigo you're gonna hate this house but it is it was very cool it was a lot of fun um i gave this one a four and a half i thought that was a great house uh so that's it for the houses now there are a few streets uh my favorite street of course was Mike Daughtery's Trick or Treat. They got the actual licensing for that. So it was cool to see, uh, you know, Sam sneaking up on people. They had little doorways and the kid throwing up chocolate next to the teacher and uh, all the other trick-or-treaters on the bus. It was sights to to be seen, man. It it was so good. Uh, Pumpkins all hanging through the trees and flickering all around. You get really cool pictures. Uh, It was really great. Um, The Academy of Villains show wasn't playing, so there was no bleed-over music into the scare zone. Uh, so I kind of just wanted to live there until, uh, you know, my friend Daniel had to drag me away. <laughs> but uh, it was a good time. Uh, this is the last year for the Bill and Ted show. They had the Bill and Ted Halloween adventure that's been going on for, for years and years at Bill, at uh, Universal Halloween Horror Nights. And it's a, it's a satire on pop culture. And they always do such a great job with it every year. And, uh, you know, it's getting to the point now where kids don't really know who Bill and Ted are anymore. So we've been saying it for a while. How is this? Uh, how is this still getting people in it? Do they even know who Bill and Ted is. So my guess is that they actually might be making the next Bill and Ted movie. So Universal can't use the the rights for free anymore. So uh, they're just gonna go to a different property or something they already own. 
you know, be easier and cheaper for them. Uh, but I will miss the Bill and Ted show. Uh, it was a great show. Um, and it was definitely a tradition every time we went to Halloween Horror Nights. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of different other uh, scare zones out there that you should definitely check out. Uh, one that's, you know, it's all about aliens, which is really cool. It's a big crash alien ship and all these, like, you know, like sci-fi, like shiny suit creepy aliens coming at you I thought we really need and uh, one with just a lot of the other icons from the houses so it's pretty cool definitely check it out Howling Horror Nights in Orlando was a lot of fun this year highly recommend it go check it out if you can uh, a lot of different passes you can do the VIP tour or I'm sorry the RIP tour um, if you want to get into the lines a little bit quicker because those lines can be growing and that can really make or break your trip uh, you know you get out to Howling Horror Nights in Orlando and you're standing in line for two hours to get into one house you might only get three houses out of the night Maybe if you throw another Hunsky at it, you can get all the houses, and your trip will be a lot, lot better. Uh, so, yeah, Halloween Horror Nights, two thumbs up. And now for my interview with Kevin Bergeron from Waxwork Records. And I'm here with a special guest today from Waxwork Records, uh, Kevin Bergeron. How's it going, man? Hey, Keenan, I'm doing well. So I have to ask, uh, you got a lot of things coming out right now. Uh, really big things have been you know, happened with you guys ever since the Friday 13th uh, vinyl, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop seeing that all over the internet lately. Um, just, I would like to go right into the meat of things. How did, how did Waxwork come to be? Uh, well, Waxwork got started, I want to say, in January of 2013. And um, the wheels were already set into motion a few months prior to that with like, the advent of, like, receiving some uh, some records for uh for for christmas actually mm-hmm. and, um it was a, it all started with a christmas gift actually and um i was uh i, I received some christmas uh gifts from uh, from Susie, uh the co-owner of waxwork mm-hmm. and uh, they happened to, a lot of them were soundtracks on vinyl right mm-hmm. and uh you know i really love film music i'm a real big fan of like uh just film scores and soundtracks and like uh, i have been for a long time and then I'm also very much into horror movies. So um, in that stack of records happened to be a lot of like like horror soundtracks, like old ones, uh, kind of like modern modern ones as well from like you know like new labels and stuff. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry. I would say were they like a lot of classic ones? I'm guessing they're new ones. Of... Yeah, it was stuff like you know like The Shining, like first pressings of like stuff like that. Very cool, awesome. So um so of course I was like this is rad, this is great, you know. But then we were also seeing a lot of like uh new labels doing it as well not a lot but there were a couple mm-hmm. and um, you know i i have a, a history of like uh recording and, and releasing music uh in, in previous bands that i've been in and we thought you know like how about we kind of like add our own spin on this and do it ourselves you know like i'm always like thinking like you know how can we do something better you know like uh let's let's try to figure out a way to like get the actual master tapes let's figure out a way to like get in touch with the director or the composer and like get a liner notes from them mm-hmm. because no one else was doing that um there were a lot of things that like i felt as if like needed to be done to kind of like make the whole experience of like purchasing and like enjoying like a, a soundtrack on vinyl yeah. specifically like um like a better experience for the consumer you know just like a, a deluxe experience i always throw that word around like deluxe we have to make it deluxe right but, uh, or that you have to go directly through the studio itself to get something like that yeah, a lot of times you do, or a lot of times you actually have to like go through the actual rights holders, which can be whoever. It could be like a composer. It can be uh, just some random dude that like bought the rights to Creepshow or whatever, you know, yeah. back in the that, 80s. Or... 
Is that kind of like what it is though? Like, I'd imagine it was always such a hard thing to get. And then nowadays you have companies like, I know it's different with film and music, but like um, Shout Factory, who have been doing like all these re releases for all these movies that have been coming out through Universal and Lionsgate. And it just seems like it's interesting that like now it seems like it's easier to do that now than it was maybe 10 years ago. Um, you know, that's a funny question because like I would think that would probably, it would probably be easier to do it 10 years ago because yeah. now that everyone's doing it, you know, I think the studios have kind of caught on and they're all like, oh, well, look, like this stuff actually has some sort of like um, it's it's sacred in a way. And like there's money to be made off of this. So, like, let's figure out a way to kind of like keep it works out a better deal that's going to work in the interest of the studio rather than like, you know, the record label. And that's fine. I mean, that's 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 business. That's life. You know, that right. they need to make money. And um, but I'm all about the chase and I'm all about figuring out a way to like track down the masters Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it for the exorcist recently like that's coming out soon and uh cool. that was like that was crazy just like you know the, the and you know going back to like you know like the your, your first question about like getting waxwork started mm-hmm. you know a lot of times like these soundtracks are available from the studio in terms of like you know they already have like the digital files ready to go like hey we can send you the soundtrack right now we'll just drop box it to you or whatever mm-hmm. but you know we always request you know like well are the original masters, I mean, the actual tapes that were in the studio recording the score, you know, recording right. the orchestra or whatever, are those available? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it was really exciting being able to get the Exorcist tapes. Like, that was just insane. So, like, yeah. we have that coming out soon, and that's all, like, transferred from the original, you know, the 1974 tapes, or 73, rather. That's so rad. Holy crap. That's, that's amazing that you can get a hold of that, but that's still around. It's a lot of detective work, man. It's, it's Yeah. It's, work but uh i think that's what kind of like sets waxwork apart from a lot of the other labels because you know we kind of like bust our butts trying to like do this in like the best manner possible mm-hmm. not to down on anybody but just like to you know in, in terms of like wax work like our company mm-hmm. you, know, you want to like kick ass right yeah and you also like i like that you guys add a lot to your uh your gatefolds too uh you yeah. know there's any information that there is about creating that music it's there it's from somebody you know that was related to it in some way yeah um, then the art too i love the slip-ins or the, the covers that you guys add and stuff it's it's really nice um Thanks. also yeah, yeah. very nice quality as well very sturdy <laughs> i have, <laughs> the, a, I have yeah. the mad Mar- monster party uh vinyl and i was absolutely in love with that movie so i was super happy that you guys were actually paying some homage and some love to that to that movie it doesn't get much love yeah it's true like a lot of these like movies like they weren't ever like expected to have a soundtrack come out commercially mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes i feel like that's that's criminal you know like the, you know why hasn't the mad monster party soundtrack from 1968 come out on vinyl like i mean like there's been like kind of like shoddy cd releases of it right but you know like how about we track down where the masters are which we did mm-hmm. and uh release it on vinyl because i mean like at that time i mean that's how you enjoyed music in 1968 was like on vinyl right so like uh you know, it's just it's a really classy, intimate way of like experiencing these these soundtracks, and like we're really happy to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really cool because you think about, uh, you know, like I know some people kind of theme around. I was reading your guys' uh, Forbes article of how, like, you know, like they asked, you know, do you guys put them out around Christmas time? I put them around Halloween time. Well, of course you do because whenever you kind of get ready to like, you know, start decorating and things, like you get in the mood, you know, you light a fire or a few candles and you throw that record on and it just changes the whole mood around the, the room. Yeah, of course. I love yeah. it. It's great. 
So how do you guys, um, I noticed I was at a, a local record store the other day and they had the Krampus OST out there. And I was just wondering, do you guys ship exclusively to stores or do they order from you guys? It's, um, it's kind of like mixed, you know, like we have a distributor. So like, you know, you can find our, our records in, in record stores and like comic book shops and, you know, different like urban outfitters and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, like they're all over the place. Yeah. So and we do, you know, we do sell directly. If, if somebody were to hit us up, we, you know, we wouldn't, you know, shoot them away. Mm -hmm. Um, more than happy to sell directly to a record store or an independent store or whomever. Um, nice. So yeah, I mean, like it's really like it's a mixed bag, but like we we definitely have a couple of distributors that like, you know, make sure to, like get our stuff into like stores. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. So let's talk about the comic, uh, House of Waxwork. It just released. Uh, the record acts as a soundtrack to the comic, which kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, like reading like the um, they had a haunted mansion, like little uh, LP that would play. And yeah. I'd read like the book to it. Only this is like much cooler, and I can do in my like mid thirties. <laughs> can you tell me a little bit more about the project so waxwork comics is our new company um it's the publishing wing of waxwork records and i think at some point we're probably just going to like just call the company waxwork entertainment because right. i mean like we're, we're definitely branching out into doing a lot of different things mm -hmm. um, but uh you know launching the comic book company was a long journey uh, uh we just really felt as if like you know this is our opportunity to like do this right and do it, you know, do it, do it perfectly. Um, you know, we, you know, we work a lot with, uh, or we used to work a lot with Jay Younger from White Zombie before he uh, moved to Spain. And oh, wow. uh, he mastered basically everything that we've released for the first like couple of years of waxwork. Mm. And, um, you know, he told me once, like, you know, there's no reason, this is before even waxwork got started, but he told me once, like, there's no reason for the things that you do in life to not be perfect. Like always, it was almost like kind of like, you know, like a, like, 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 not, he wasn't sunning me, like, you know, but he was right. kind of giving me good advice because, I mean, like, he comes from a very, you know, successful background. Mm -hmm. it's, there's no reason for it to not be perfect. Right. And, um, Put your heart into so, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I really took that to heart. So, like, um, with Waxwork and now with Waxwork Comics, um, this is our opportunity to make it perfect. So, like, we, we worked very hard for two years to develop it. Um, lots of, treacherous hard road and then there was a lot of soaring like positive experiences as well mm -hmm. um, it's just like starting something from the ground up uh especially like a new company when you're already concurrently running another successful company right. is, is a big deal and um you know we're you know we're, we're a small team there's only five of us working here and, and two of us myself and Susie, uh, you know we run we run the business mm -hmm. so like um it was a lot of like project management and like just uh basically i mean in a nutshell the whole thing got started because we were on a business trip Susie and i were on a business trip and we were in seattle visiting our distributor and just kind of like out of the blue i was like let's release comics let's figure out a way to like start a new company it can be a publishing wing mm -hmm. we've always wanted to have a publishing wing that released books or you know uh some sort of like literature okay the you know, we already have a, a solid, strong background in releasing soundtracks on vinyl. Let's pair up comic books, something that we love. Let's marry it with something that we're already very experienced in, which is vinyl. And it just seemed like a really unique concept. Mm -hmm. And when we got back to New Orleans, where we're headquartered, head, headquartered uh, we decided to, to start developing it immediately. And uh, 
met a lot of different people, a lot of creatives. Uh, it's, it was a, a big endeavor. I mean, like it's uh, one day I think I'm going to like have to like write about it because I mean, like this, yeah. it was, there's a whole lot of crazy bizarre stories with like massive corporations reaching out to us, wanting to get information about it. Cause they knew that it's a cool, it's a cool idea. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing, you know, it's, it, but it's, it's finally here. You know, we launched it last week and, uh, you know, we're really proud of it. Yeah, it's really cool because I could imagine that, like, you know, comic companies would be like, you know, that's something we would love to do, but we don't press vinyl ourselves where you do. Well, now you're on the opposite <laughs> side of things. You guys press vinyl and you want us to do comics. So it's like, yeah, just keep this for us. Yeah, we didn't know that it was going to be, you know, I was naive. I thought, you know, we started Waxwork, um, you know, from nothing. From And we built it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. This is going to be totally easy, starting a, a comic book company. And man, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just a lot of work and a lot of, like, there's so many people involved, you know. It's not just, like, chasing down rights to music and, like, just releasing it on vinyl. It's, like, you're creating original content. And that's something that is important to us. Like, we we thought in the beginning, like, well, maybe we should, like, you know, release, like, licensed properties. Like, let's do a cool, like, Friday the 13th comic book. Or let's do a cool, like, Freddy comic book. Mm-hmm. But you know, very early on in the process, it dawned on us that, like, you know, no, like, let's release our own stuff. Let's create our own universe, our own intellectual property. And that's kind of, like, how we've been tackling it. Everything is going to be original. And I think that's the smartest way to go at it. Like, it it kind of brings out that, like, creep show feel, um, you know, just from the art and what I'm seeing. Uh, But other than that, like, it's cool that you guys are doing your own take on uh, your own stories. And it was cool to see that you actually wrote one of them, too, as well. I did, uh, yeah. I, I wrote one of the stories. What is, in the what is that like, to now be a uh, comic book writer? <laughs> um, it feels good. You know, like, I really think that the story that I wrote is really strong. Um, I have a background in writing. Uh, okay. So, uh, so yeah, like, I, I think there's going to be actually more opportunities for me to, like, kind of, like, dive into that when I have time. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, it just, it just so happened that, um, I was able to contribute a song. I mean, uh, that, well, yeah, actually, a song and a story to uh, to issue number one. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and how did you get to uh, work together with uh, Gabe Soria that did the, I guess it was Batman uh, 1966? Yeah, like um, Gabe, we met him very early on in the process of uh, starting, starting House of Waxwork and Waxwork Comics. And, um, you know, he's a comic book writer and he lives here in New Orleans. And, you know... Um, we kept running into each other and like uh, somewhere along the line, we decided to, to team up and work with one another. And like, uh, we think that he's a good writer and he wrote uh, a called slumber party for issue one of house of wax work. And like, we think it came out great. So it's a, it's a nice like, little opening to uh, the first issue. Very cool. And how did you get in contact with Gary Poland? I know he does a lot of uh, rumor magazines covers. Um, super nice um, guy. I've, I've met him in Florida a couple times. Uh, he's just, super humble super great so it's cool to see that he's working with you guys yeah gary is awesome uh we we've been working with him for i mean literally since day one i mean he did the artwork to our very first release of uh reanimator so uh yeah so like um just basically reaching out to him just shooting him a friendly email and like just seeing where it went and he liked the idea of what we were doing yeah Um, i've been knowing about gary like since before i even started waxwork because of rumorg magazine you know just seeing work around and being all like man we need to work with him in some capacity crazy talented <laughs> he's really yeah, he's really good so okay i saw a little teaser that was on the instagram page uh of uh or i don't know if twitter or instagram but it was uh of the friday the 13th the game uh with jason Voorhees 
uh, yeah. the, the video game outfit. Is that something you guys are looking into doing, or you can't say right now? Oh, we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. So <laughs> yeah, we're doing the new the new game soundtrack, and it's going to be this crazy expansive, like kind of like double, maybe even triple LP thing. I mean, the game is so awesome. Yeah. And so uh, is it going to be more than just the the one song that Jason's theme is, or is it all the music from the game? It's going to be every piece of music from the game. I'm even going to try to license that Misfit song that plays on the radio, like with yes. you. Yeah, I'm going to try to get that. You know, we're tight with Jerry only, so like I just, I, I pretty much just have to reach out and try to license it. So. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. Oh, and then the, I'm just thinking of the different vinyls that you can just press for that it would be just freaking awesome. Oh yeah, dude, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Very cool. So okay, here's my fanboy moment. Um, so I know you work with Douglas Pipes a lot. Um, you guys put out the Trick or Treat album. Uh, you guys put out the Krampus album, and then he's doing music on the House of Waxwork album as well. Uh, for the, I guess, the Occult Slumber Party story? Yeah. Yeah. So, I know I've always wanted the Monster House soundtrack. Is that something you guys have looked into doing and re-releasing? Yeah, actually. We actually, um, I have the masters right now. <laughs> oh, do you really? <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's just a matter of, like, just working out the deal and, like, getting it going. Because, I mean, that's, um, I think, I forget what studio it's with, but, like, uh, it's just a matter of, like, just locking it down. But uh, I already have the music. I mean, it's ready to go. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, strangely enough, it's like one of my favorite soundtracks, and I feel like it's never gotten enough love. And it was interesting to see that Mike Daughtery kind of picked up on that watching that movie to bring him into Trick or Treat, and it just worked so beautifully, you know? So, yeah, those guys are awesome, man. Like, Douglas and Michael are fucking great. I mean, like, they are so cool and, like, so so just professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Douglas, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're obviously going to be doing more work with Michael down the road, but, like, uh, Douglas right now with House of Waxwork, you know, he he contributed not only um, that song for a cult summer party in issue number one, mm-hmm. but he's also going to be featured in issue number two on a song called uh, Time Capsule. Nice. Uh, so that I mean, it's just you know, it's classic Douglas Pipes, and um, the music is like very like uh, it's what you would expect from him, but like we, with a, kind of like a nice like electronic tinge to it. Um, he's he tends to like kind of work more in, like the orchestral realm. Yeah. Like um. Yeah, I was like, man, go crazy. Like, you know, fucking, like, pull out some old synthesizers and, like, just go nuts. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's happening. And um, he was very integral in getting uh, the theme song going. Uh, the theme song, The House of Waxwork, uh, was composed by myself and uh, Rami Sharkey. And, you know, we really bad wanted to, like, make it perfect. You know, like I was saying earlier, it's got to be perfect. Right. <laughs> So, you know, we composed this awesome song and, like, you know, we presented it to uh, to Douglas and he was like, man, this is great. It sounds like straight up throwback, you know, Tales from the Crypt, old school horror kind of like theme. Awesome. Uh, but, you know, how about you guys perform it with like a legit complete orchestra, like a 40 piece orchestra? And I'm like, can we do that? Like, is that like an like, you know, cost an arm and a leg? And he's like, we'll figure it out. Like, let's just figure it out. <laughs> we'll he's like, get there. Yeah, it has to be huge, you know, like, you you have, like, all these strings in here, like, how about we, like, just kind of, like, pull in, like, an entire orchestra of strings, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, through a lot of hard work, and basically, I put everything that I was doing at Waxwork on hold for an entire month to write, record, and mix that song down. I mean, like, it was wow. just an act of Congress getting that song done, because it had to be, it had to be perfect, right. and, uh, you know, the results, I think, it's it really feels good to like get back into playing music mm-hmm. and to now be doing it with like people like Douglas Pipes and like these huge orchestras in Europe. Um, it's just really special. So like uh, 
yeah, like that that's gonna be like the theme song that appears on like pretty much every one of the soundtracks. I mean every one of the seven inches that comes with House of Waxwork. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Man, Kevin, it sounds like you've come full circle in your career with music. Like you started into just doing bands and then you got this like small little company, you just loved vinyl, and now you're working in music again. <laughs> like that's really cool. I hope it's not full circle yet. Like I hope it's still like, you know, still coming around that curve. Oh, like, no, it's the infinity uh, symbol. You're just gonna keep going. That's what it is. Yeah, I wanna keep going. I wanna like blow through everything. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, last question. Let me tell me a little bit about your involvement with the new slashback video that's going on later this year. Yeah. So like, um, we're good friends with Ryan Turek and, um, you know, he lives out in LA. He works for Blumhouse and, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, he reached out to us and wanted to know if we wanted to like take part in the, uh, slashback video event that's happening in Los Angeles in September. It's actually going to be like a art installation slash kind of like pop-up shop mm -hmm. slash trip down memory lane. Basically you're going to be able to like walk into slashback video and be transported into a video store that you walk into in like 1992 basically mm -hmm. like you know uh it's gonna be like this cool experience for people that grew up during that time like late 80s early 90s where you know the whole like home video craze happened right mm -hmm. um, and it's all gonna be horror centric there's gonna be a lot of horror artwork and uh yeah we're co-sponsoring the event we're helping put it you know we're helping out putting it on so it's gonna be it's gonna be great man a lot of awesome sponsors too like creepy company and fried rags and yeah i was uh, looking at the list and i saw you guys on there and i was like man that's really cool like are they could be able to like sell some of your vinyl out there as well i think that's the plan yeah i think we're actually gonna be well i'm going out there for it so i'm definitely i just want to be there just to experience it and like just you know uh just hang out but like uh right yeah i definitely want to get out there at least on a day or two just to check it out it sounds super cool you should. You should, man. Yeah. If the opportunity is there for us to sell vinyl. I'm totally all about it. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, honestly, what were video stores back in the day? Uh, other than a video store, you would it was almost like an art gallery. You'd walk down the aisles. You'd look at all the different cover art. Oh, yeah. You know, that would bring you into the shitty movie that it actually was. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, all of those covers were so just iconic. I mean, like, I just have vivid memories of, like, seeing, like, uh, like the cover to, like, you know, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter with, like, the dagger going through jason's mask and stuff like that like right. it was really like the art aspect the art centric aspect of like these things had to be like spot on mm. and just, yeah, it's gonna be great man i just like i can't talk too much about it right now because it's a little too far out totally but um, understand, yeah. yeah i think people are gonna be really happy uh anyone in, in los angeles that can make it out like is gonna be stoked to like see what we did very sweet yeah man it seems sounds like you're like very busy this year but in all the best ways yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very sweet. Well, the comic and album is out right now for fourteen ninety five on waxworkrecords.com. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Keenan. How sweet of a guy is Kevin, am I right? Uh, so yeah, go check out uh, Waxworks' new comic right now. And also, uh, flashback video is happening right now out in L.A., so we can't talk about it. Uh, but until next time, I'm Horror Guy Keenan, and you'll have your Halloween episode in October. Stay scary.